For this year, we have, as you know, been working on the theme of strong and courageous with our theme verse being Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, where we are commanded to be strong and courageous because he is with us. No matter what we face, when he is with us, we have nothing to fear. And as a part of that, we have been studying this uh, quarter on a series called Strong Church, where we have learned about the one another verses in the New Testament, how to be a stronger church by loving one another, by praying for one another, by being devoted to one another, by serving one another, by, and by encouraging one another, as we learned about last week, by being present in each other's lives, not just here, but in our lives, and being persistent in our willingness to build up and to think about people who need encouragement and love. I hope you've taken the opportunity this week. Uh, I know a few of you have. I got a few uh, Chick-fil-A gift cards in the mail, and I thank you very much. I'm fatter because of that. Um, no, we appreciate you hearing the lessons, but hopefully you understand it's, uh, it's about more than just encouraging the preacher. I appreciate it. Uh, it's about encouraging one another. Today we're going to talk about a, an, a, a topic that is not common in our world. It's very uncommon. A strong church will show hospitality to one another. Uh, my grandmother Moore was a lovely woman, and she lived in a very small house on South Anita. That little house was where she and her first husband, Jack, raised uh, my mother and her two sisters. It was a very small house uh, for the time, for, but certainly by today's standards, with only a one-car garage and only one-and-a-half bathrooms for four women. Can you imagine? There was always a line. It was a small house, but uh, there was lots of love. As grandmother kept that house over the years, she loved nothing more than to have her house full of people. Her house, by any stretch, was not a large house. It was very small, but there was so much love in that house. I can still remember the tradition of, of getting together at grandmother's after church, and we would meet, and Grandmother would be busy cooking in that kitchen. Her dining room was just simply the other half of the kitchen. Crammed in that dining room was a, a dining room table that really you could only seat three around comfortably because the rest of the dining room was filled by the refrigerator. It was a very small house, and yet there was a lot of love. I remember well those Sundays after church when we would have uh, some meal that Grandmother had fixed. We would sit around the table and talk of life and hear grandmother's wisdom. Miss those days. I remember around holidays, uh, we'd meet together, and because it was such a small kitchen, uh, there was no room to do anything but just grab a plate and try to find a spot. Have you ever had a holiday like that? You'd just find a spot. That was okay with grandmother. She wasn't embarrassed by that at all. She never thought about needing a bigger house. She just loved to fill the house that she had. With people, I remember as she prepared to her final days in this world, as she was in that room of that old house there on South Anita, she had the hospital bed in there, and my mother and her sisters were taking care of her, trying to make her comfortable, and hospice came in. 
And one of the things that my mother and sisters did for grandmother that was very special to her and to the whole family, she did what grandmother always loved, to fill that house with those she loved. And so uh, just uh, maybe days before she passed, that entire house, you would have thought we were having a party, and we were. We were celebrating life together, which is what family is all about. And it's really what church is all about. When we talk about hospitality, that's what we're talking about. Not the size of your house, but the size of your heart and your willingness to love people enough to bring them into your life. Hospitality is a topic that is all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New alike. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34, if you have a Bible, you turn there. There in the the midst of that old covenant is some of grandmother's wisdom. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 34. You shall treat the stranger, God says, who sojourns with you, Israel, as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. God knows what it's like to be a stranger in a strange land. He knew his children understood that well. And he wanted them to treat the stranger just as they would a brother. In fact, in the Middle Eastern culture, hospitality is a very important part of a welcoming attitude and a welcoming spirit. And it's still considered a very high value in that culture today. You remember in Jesus' life, when the king of all creation came down to earth. He didn't have a place to come to. He depended on the hospitality of a stranger. There was no room, of course, at the inn. And so that stranger, whoever he or she was, said there's a place with the animals where you may stay. I mean, just think, you've ever used the frame, were you born in a barn? And Jesus was the only one who could say, yes, my child. That birth story is there due to the hospitality of a stranger. Later in his public ministry, Jesus would say, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I don't know if you've ever traveled uh, far for vacation or maybe for work, but you know there's no place like your own home and your own bed. You know, Jesus never had that in his 33 years on earth. He didn't have a consistent place to go and to stay and to call his own. And certainly while he was in ministry, he trained his disciples saying, when you go someplace, don't take an extra tunic. Don't take along a lot lot of luggage. Just depend on me and trust in the goodness and hospitality of strangers. So it was in the Old Testament. It was in the life of Jesus. And it was certainly in the life of the young church. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 46 is a very interesting description of a church. Verse 44 starts, we'll start reading, And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. It kind of reminds me of when we come together. You know, during the week when we work, uh, the, the church staff working here, sometimes I'll come into this room and I'll wonder where all of you are, not just geographically, but where you are spiritually. 
it's a good good thing to do because it's a blessing to be all together as the first church was, to share everything they have. I know there are conversations and prayers and, and gifts being exchanged and food being shared when we come together in one place. They sold their property and possessions, Scripture goes on to say, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And some people look at those verses and say, well, there there you go. That's the biblical precedent for for socialism or communism. No, no, no. That's forced. That's, That's a group of people putting a gun to your head and say, you share that with somebody. That's not Christian hospitality at all. They did this joyfully, freely, with great joy and generosity, the scripture says. And that value didn't, wasn't just on the day of Pentecost. That's all throughout the scripture. The, uh, the, um, Romans chapter 12, verse 13, Paul wrote this to the Christians at Rome. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. The Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia which the, the word actually means literally love, philo, and xenia, stranger, love of the stranger. That's what hospitality is all about. It was a common practice for Christ followers. Today, you and I, when we plan a trip or we plan to go somewhere, we, we get on the computer or we pull up our phones and we, we book the hotel on an app. And we make sure we get the one that has breakfast and make sure they have an exercise room and, and, pl- and have all the amenities that we would need. But long before any of that ever existed, people depended on the kindness of strangers, which is what hospitality is all about. And in that early first century, especially as Christianity began to grow, people could... Understand that when you came to a town, not knowing anyone and not knowing where you would stay that night, that if there were Christians in that town, you would likely be staying with them. The practice of hospitality became so common among the Christian people that it's where we have the modern concept of a hospital, a place where you go for someone to take care of you. That's a beautiful picture, in my mind, of who Christ called us, not only who he was, but who he called us to be. In that day, you've heard the old commercial, we'll leave the light on for you. Christians showed Jesus' light by leaving their light on for others, strangers and friends alike. They opened their homes for meals, to share together, to worship together. It was all throughout the Bible this idea of hospitality. Secondly, hospitality, well, we have a lot of good examples of that here at Northside. Whether it's meals where we're sharing all together, whether it's a team of cooks working all day and night, 12 hours a day for five days a week to prepare meals for work camp teens, whether it's uh, someone fixing a, a meal for a funeral, a group of people helping someone who's grieving, or maybe it's uh, preparing a a meal for reception. It is something you see a lot of here at Northside. The Bible says specifically that hospitality is one of those things that's uh, a characteristic of a leader. In Titus chapter 1, verse 8, we're told that elders, shepherds, should have the gift of hospitality. Why is that? Because we need people in the congregation to model 
what Christianity is all about. We invite people into our homes so that we might invite them into our lives. Why would you, want to, why would you ever want an elder to have the gift of hospitality? Well, it'll help you and it'll help them to be better shepherds. We have lots of positive examples. As I said this morning, even uh, guest lunch, you know, there are a group of Northsiders from Group 7. Yeah, Group 7. Who are going to come together and they've each brought just a dish, just one dish. In exchange for that one dish, they get many dishes. And if it's a really good group, there will be pie there. Maybe it's the a group of ladies who will work hard shopping and preparing meal for Wednesday night meals so that in the middle of the week, especially for a young family who is, has uh, not a lot of time and resources, and they're thinking about skipping, just, eh, we, it's just so much going on tonight. There's a group, there's a team that meets together that says, let us make a meal here at minimal cost to you so that you and your family can come. And be a part of the body. It's people like Ryan and Stacy Deffenbaugh who invite everybody. They just say, come on to the 4th of July celebration at their home. It's people like Don and Archie Mock who have hosted in the same way. Everybody who wants to come over two full days at their home. I was asking Archie this morning, how many years have you been doing that? She said, since 2001. Sixteen years they've had all of you over to their home. What a beautiful gift that they offer. She said they estimated with all but two years in total, they probably served about almost two tons of meat. You guys eat a lot. It's people like Brent and Renee Cothran who invite the entire youth group and their families over to their home to kick off the summer. It's other parents who have you all over for devotionals and fun times together. It's people like David and Brenda Heller inviting the church staff over to their home and the elders for a brunch once a year. It's people like Dan and Rose Shady who, who when another uh, member at Northside who lives quite a ways away but needed to come to Wichita... And they said, hey, is, is there anybody that has a place to stay? Dan and Rose opened their hearts and their home to allow them to stay and make their journey a little easier. It's people like the Sandlins and the Groves and the Tandys and the Ellises and the Griffiths who have had these times where they just invite people over to their home or they invite them out to eat. Why is that so important? Because God in his infinite wisdom, when he set Christians together, he did it with something very simple like a table. You think about that? This morning, 700 or so people met together and had a meal. That God ordained the, the, the memory of his son in two very simple emblems that we take. Together. Now, we can't seat all of us around the table, but when we partake of that meal, we bond together. We're reminded of our purpose, and we're reminded of who we are as the family, as the body of Christ. It's a, such a simple thing, and yet a table is such a powerful way to share yourself 
with another. When they come into your home, especially, as they look at your pictures on the wall and they see the things that you love to do and they see how you live, they get a taste, they get a picture of you. If you're a small group leader and you have been inviting people into your home or it's been rotating around, you're sharing not just your home, you're sharing yourself, you're sharing life together. As we eat together, we set the example of hospitality and fellowship that Christians ought to have. So that leads us to our third point, is that hospitality should be in you. I hope you've heard me clearly enough that hospitality is not a house issue. It's a heart issue. Don't have a big house, but a small heart. Fill the home that you have that God's given you with people and love and food and fellowship. Now, is this easy to do? Certainly not. It takes work. It takes vulnerability. Certainly it takes commitment for two people and love for people. So why do it? Well, First Peter 4, verses 8 through 10, as James read, Peter calls it a stewardship issue. You aren't sharing what you own. It's not your house. It's the house that God owns that he gave to you. So my question is, how are you using your home? Well, you see, Toby, I I just don't have a big house. It would be embarrassing to invite people over. Well, why did God give you that house? Is it about you and your pride? No, it's about inviting people in. Above all, Peter says, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Your blessing of a home and a table and food to share are God's. What would he want you to do with it? Hospitality builds community. It makes us, it forces us to get to know each other better. See, we can come together as one for an hour or so once a week, but we haven't really taken the time to invest in each other's lives. So take the opportunity to invite people into your life, and I hope that you are invited to share with others as well. Oh, it may be inconvenient. There may be times... When it's not the best timing, but you have an opportunity to get to know someone and to get to build a stronger connection with your brother or sister in Christ. Hebrews chapter 13 says that it's more than just the community of us. It's also the community, perhaps, with celestial beings. Hebrews chapter 13 reads this way, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. My question for you then is, who have you invited to your home recently? Who have you invited to share in your life? Oh, it's not easy. It's not convenient. There's, it, it takes work and preparation and all of that. But if you haven't, if you can't think back in the last month or the last six months or the last year 
that you have had someone into your life to share your life with you, then this morning I want to challenge you to do so by taking one of maybe five baby steps. First, we got to simplify this thing. Now, some people are really good at hospitality, and it's really not, it, it's, it's actually entertaining. You know, you come in, and they have all sorts of games, and they have name placards, and they have a seven-course meal, and the fine china out, and that's wonderful if you do that. I'm not uh, saying that's a bad thing at all, but it's such, such a high bar when you go, you think, I, I am not doing that. I, I could never... This is not my life, you know, especially at our life stage. You know, it's like uh, the toys and shove them in the corner and the dirty laundry in the closet. You know, you need to simplify this idea of hospitality. If today somebody said, hey, would you like to come over to our house tomorrow evening? We're just going to we're going to grab some Chick-fil-A. You're going to grab a couple of bags. We're going to, I get home from work about 5.30. You can come to our house at 6. And it's going to be messy and the kids are going to be crazy. And, and it's not going to look clean at all. But you just come on over. That's great. And if they say to you, Chick-fil-A. Sounds a little below. You don't listen. You have my permission to defriend them from your life. <laughs> You do not need that kind of negativity. Listen, hear me now. Don't make hospitality more complicated than it needs to be. If you've been invited to a wonderful dinner, just do what you can do. Don't let what you can't, just what everybody else does get in the way of what you can do. So do what you can and just keep it simple. Uh, Don't have to make a big ordeal of it. Secondly, team up. Uh, Find another couple or two and and say, hey, once a month, let's all of us invite a couple and and we'll rotate around houses and and we'll just get to meet two or three different folks. We can do that once a month or once every six months. We'll just do it together. It's uh, easier when you bear burdens together. Number three, just be present. Uh, I told you about my grandmother's house. A really funny picture came to my mind as I remember sitting in that kitchen. She had this sign up, and I don't know where she got it, but it just hung on the wall of her kitchen. But this was so grandma. She said, or the sign said rather, please come in, have a seat, sit down. It doesn't always look this way. Sometimes it looks way worse. Grandmother was being present over perfect. She would have a meal, and all the dishes would be in the sink, and that would bother some people. And they would try to go get up and help Grandma, and Grandma would say, sit down. What was she saying? She's saying, the dishes will be handled. We'll get to the dishes. But right now, I have you, and I may not always have you. So when you invite people into your life, Be present. Put your phones away. Uh, Try to to focus on them and really invest. Um, Four, join together. I hope, I really want to encourage those of you, if you haven't joined a small group, uh, sign-ups are now, I believe you can sign up today. Justin, is Justin here? Where are you? 
Not here. Okay. Um, if you can, if you would like to know more information about that, uh, talk to me or talk to Justin Harold. But sign up for that because it's a, a very easy way to invest in the lives of your small group. Christy and I have been a part of one for uh, a year now. And I can guarantee you that I knew Glenda Hall and Ken and Jennifer Nelson, that I knew Ryan and Leanne Woodard, uh, that I knew Diane Emery, but I didn't, I didn't know them like I know them now. After meeting with them in our home and other people's homes every week, nearly every week, after sharing so many meals together and doing service projects together, after doing life together, I can say that I know them well. One of my favorite things is a group text on my phone that we share together. We share life together because we shared our homes and our hearts together. Uh, so join a small group. Sign up if you haven't. Um, and if you're part of a small group, I hope you have an empty chair there every week to remind your small group that to invite others to welcome friends and neighbors and other Northsiders. Number five, go outside. Now, this is... I'm not saying specifically you have to do an outdoor picnic. What I'm saying here is there are people right now who have totally disengaged from the sermon. They're saying, well, you know, my house is too small, too messy. You don't know my life. We're too busy. It's too crazy. As I've said, and we'll say again, hospitality is not about your house. It's about your heart. But if you are convicted in your heart that there's no way you could ever do it in your house then think outside the house. Every week there's a guest lunch. You could bring food and get to know people. If you won't do it in your house, do it here. Uh, we have uh, ministry meals, I call them, for new members and deacons and ministry leaders and for missionaries. And Lori Kingsley. Uh, Lori, I know you're over here somewhere. Where are you? You told me you wouldn't move. Where'd you go? Lori, Lori right back there. Okay. Uh, Lori, raise your hand again, Lori. Lori organizes those and puts those together, and I'm sure she would love some help. So you can contact Lori if you'd like to help with that. Or you can contact Cheryl and her team as they get ready for the Wednesday night meals, uh, or they do the funeral meals or something like that. You can, help, you can help Cheryl and her great team. You can help with work camp, or when a missionary comes in, you can sign up to have them over for a meal or take them out for a meal. You can help with the sojourners or performers that come in from the colleges and things like that. Your class, probably every now and again, has somebody who needs a meal. They've gone through a rough time or they just have a new baby or something like that. You can bring a meal to them. So there's lots of ways that you can have a hospitalian spirit without inviting anyone to your home. So if you're not willing to open your home, then certainly please open your heart. Well, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you the great gospel story. And in my mind, it's the Father's greatest act of hospitality. You remember what Jesus said? He said this in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Jesus depended on hospitality his whole life. 
And for our eternal life, we're going to be depending on his hospitality. So if you are not in Christ, if you are not ready to go to the Father, to join up in the Father's house, I want you to come forward this morning. And I or one of our shepherds will be glad to help you to know Christ, put on Christ, to be ready. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. If you're not prepared, please come. Come if you have any need, as together we stand and sing.